You're listening to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The love that's spoken here in 1 Corinthians 13 is the word agape. It's agape love. It's God's agape love for us. So we pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're already here. We thank you that you live in us. We thank you for those who believe in you, Jesus, that you've made your home in us. Lord, we could even declare before we even start this morning that love dwells in us. And Father, we do declare that the world needs love. And you're a God who is, you describe yourself in 1 John 4 as God is love. It's the same word, it's the same word charity, it's the same word agape. God is love. Father, this morning, we ask that you'd open our hearts and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Even today, through your word, Lord, I believe through your spirit, and we just yield to you this morning. In Jesus' name. Good morning. That was the uh, original clip, 1965. Yeah. Burt Bacharach, you can hear that song anywhere and know the tune for those of us who are older, if it's new to you. It's, it's called What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. Um, how many of you know that God has forever demonstrated his love for us? He's exhibited it. It's, it's for all the world to see, for every age, for every generation, that his generous and outrageous love, his agape love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We received from God his love, which we did not deserve. It was a gift. We freely received it. It's settled. That's Romans 5, verse 8. One of my favorite scriptures is in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. It talks about how we were enemies of God. It says, by nature, children of wrath. We were dead. We were dead, and he quickened us to be alive. And verse 4 says, but God... But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What a, what a, a demonstration of God's love for us. This amazing love. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13 again for you. That was the NIV. I want to read the, uh, the New King James. Just starting with verse 4. We're going to read the rest later. 
Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Remember some of these definitions. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As I've been praying and seeking the Lord, this is this agape love. If we went to the King James, it would say charity. In every one of them verses, it would say charity. The word is agape. It's God's love for us. It's a divine love. It's unselfish love. It's a generous love with such kindness and affection. People don't think God's kind or affectionate. God is kind and affectionate. When we experience this kind of love, the key for me here is when we experience it for ourselves. When we experience this kind of love, this outrageous love, we are changed. The results are radical. We are now God-filled. You realize that you are God-filled as a believer in Jesus Christ? We are not relying on ourselves or the limitations of our own ability to love. We're not depending or relying on our own ability to love. We are now God-filled. So his love can flow through us like a conduit. His love, we can be the vehicle or the vessel of his love. It's impossible to love if you've not received love. God created us to love and to be loved. So we receive God's love, and then we release God's love. One of the neat words that I noticed for the word agape when you break it down and begin to look at it, it's uh, benevolence. That word's really interesting to me because it's a desire to do good to others, an act of kindness. Now, I don't know how many of us live our day every day, and maybe sometimes you don't think you're knocking down the walls or the mountains or you're accomplishing great exploits for God. I mean, there are seasons and times, and even within a normal day, at home, at the job, with your kids, at school, the reality is this agape love can be demonstrated all the time. It can be love in action all the time. Imagine just having the love of God in you, dwelling in you, and there's a desire for you to want to do good to others. Sometimes I'll go to the post office and I'll see an older lady and I'll be pretty much behind her, but you know, you can speed up a little bit. Just so I just want to, I, it's a God thing, but in my heart the desire is to do good to others. Let me get that door for that little lady. An act of kindness. So this agape love is a desire to do good to others. God's love is in us. If you believe in Jesus, it's in you. Sometimes you just have to work at getting out a little bit. Or understanding that it's in you and asking God, how will it flow through me today? Or how will it, being aware of his presence in you? I think there's a very interesting note here. In John 5, verse 42, Jesus is being, you know, the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rabbis, that was the one that Jesus butt heads with the most. 
And he says this in John 5, 42. It's pretty, it's pretty powerful statement. They're going through some dialogue, and then Jesus says in verse 42, but I know you, he says to one of the rabbis, that you do not have the love of God in you. I mean, think of that. You do not have the love of God in you because if you, love, if you knew my Father and that he sent me, you would know me and you would know the love of God is not in you. As believers, we abide in his love. We have to declare another scripture out of the Gospel of John that all men, all men, shall know that we follow Jesus if we love one to another. Love one another as I have loved you was one of Jesus' commands. Love one another as I have loved you. So I have been listening, and I've been watching, and I've been seeing some things that in my spirit are very disturbing. And as I was praying, and even, even beginning to stir this and asking Holy Spirit, Lord, this is a, I think this is going to be a little bit of an ouch. It's going to hurt a little bit for the church today. You know what that means? That means I'm praying that the Holy Spirit brings correction to some of the way we're thinking. God wants to change the way we think about people. So I've been listening, I've been watching and paying attention, and the question that I, I've said to myself is, Holy Spirit, where is the love? Where is the love? And this is the part that hurts. This question is, where is the love of God's people. Remember in 2 Peter it says, you know, God's own people, his very special people. Those people are us who believe in Jesus, those ones who've been called out of darkness into a marvelous light that we would give a testimony of his greatness, right? That we can declare this marvelous gospel. The, the people of God, where is the love of the people of God for other people who do not yet know him. Not for the one another of the camaraderie or the community, the community that we would have among believers. Because I'll read a scripture later in Matthew, it's in, it's in Luke, about Jesus declaring love your enemies and he, and he breaks down the wall of if all we had to do love, if all we had to accomplish we could probably do that almost none. I would dare say no. We probably couldn't even do that among ourselves. We'd need the power of the Holy Spirit just to love one another at a level that would be pleasing to the Lord. But if that's all we did, the scripture actually says you're no better than the tax collectors. We'll read that later. So where is the love of God's people for other people who do not yet know him? I wrote down a note here, and I really believe this in my heart. I feel like it's getting ugly out there. And, and I'm not talking about the world. It's not getting ugly out in the world. It's getting ugly, some of the things I'm seeing and hearing in the body of Christ toward people. It's getting ugly. It's getting hostile. Are we not messengers of a glorious gospel? We are messengers of a glorious gospel, a great message of hope and God's love revealed for mankind. That's our assignment on planet Earth a message of reconciliation, restoration, and healing. Didn't Jesus come to save us, to forgive those who are sinners, to heal and deliver us from the power of darkness? Isn't that why he came? To set us free? 
So again, as I said, I've been hearing and seeing some disturbing, some disturbing trends in the believers of Jesus. I kind of put that part as believers gone wild. Somebody knows that joke. <laughs> believers gone wild. There is a professed zeal for God. And this zeal is kind of disguised. And it's actually an ugly zeal because as we will see later, it's a zeal that I don't believe is led by the true spirit of zeal, but of one of anger, of hatred, and revenge. And I'm not talking about a crazy little sect in some radical fundamental church down in the backwoods of Kentucky, or I'm not talking about an extreme cult that's you know, hiding out in Utah, or a mainstream denomination gone bad, the Lord showed me that I'm talking about us. Born-again Christians. The born-agains. The ones who confess that Jesus is kind and good. And Jesus is uh, beautiful, I've had to look at myself, I've had to look at different situations, and that's why I believe this might hurt a little bit today. But we as Christ's disciples, we look and we see conduct of people in our culture. Pick the venue, politics, whatever agenda you want to put in there. Pop culture, music, art, all the different aspects of influence on the earth that we see other people in and they and we see their conduct and it's easy for us to say come see our zeal for the lord and to think that we are being faithful in his cause when truly what i'm beginning to see is we are doing more harm instead of good to others we are doing more harm than good and we have a false sense of zeal that makes us feel good about ourselves when really I don't believe that's the heart of Jesus. Because Jesus is our perfect role model. And Jesus was fully God and fully man. And because Jesus said that we would do the same works as him and actually said we would do greater works, because of the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit, we on earth, I'm going to read a scripture where it says we can be perfect, we can be complete, just like Jesus, if we continue to be filled with Jesus. Because Acts 10.38 says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I love that scripture. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. I'm going to jump in to a scripture, and if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Luke 9, verse 54. Luke 9, verse 54. And I'm going to join you there.
Luke 9, verse 54 is the uh, the scripture I'm going to read, but I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, background here. How many of you remember James and John, the sons of thunder? No, James and John? Luke 9, if if you just want to read later this week, if you want to read an amazing chapter in the Bible, start from verse 1 all the way to the end. I think chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke is an amazing chapter. I won't go through the whole thing, but it is quite amazing. Let me just highlight a few fun things that have already happened, though. It would be kind of fun just to go there a little bit. Starting from verse 1, this is where the 12 disciples are called together. They're given power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. And he sends them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He says, don't take much with you. They go out, they have amazing success. Uh, the rumors are spreading of uh, the, the name of Jesus is getting out there. Herod's nervous. John the Baptist is beheaded. Who is Jesus? Say, who are they saying that I am? It's a beautiful story of the fir- when he fed the 5,000. As you're going on, he, he, uh, this is where Peter says from revelation from God, but you are the Christ, and he warns him not to tell anybody else. And then he's just preaching, he's talking. And then this is one of my favorite parts about Luke 9 is where you have the two sons of thunder and the rest of the gang there uh, dialoguing about themselves of which of us will be the greatest. I love that. You know, they just went out and did great things and they're arguing among them. Jesus just told them that he was going to have to die and three days later be raised up and the next sentence says, and they were arguing among themselves who would be the greatest. So this just gives you some of the background here. And then... We have this story starting at, uh, what happened? Hold on. I clicked to Genesis by mistake. I'm using this because it's easier for me to read. Luke 9, right? Luke 9, 54. It's a full chapter if you haven't read it in a while. 54. Okay, this is kind of fun. They see who will be the greatest. It brings a little child to them. And then right about, uh, oh, I love this one too. This is really, really good. Um, and John, uh, John answered them. A- after Jesus tells them, whoever be least among you would be great. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw somebody out, this is verse 49. Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we forbid him because he did not follow us. He wasn't in our group. He wasn't part of our church. He didn't, you know, he wasn't part of us and we forbid him. But Jesus said to them, do not forbid him for he who is not against you is on our side. You know, I could could preach for a few hours. But now he came to talk and then he says this. So this part here I want to break into a little bit. Now it came to pass, we're starting with 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. That means Jesus is on, there is a deliberateness and an intensity of him facing Jerusalem knowing he's going to lay down his life, okay? The time has come now, there's an intensity as you even begin to read this where he knows he's going to Jerusalem. So that he steadfastly set his face to go toward Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. 
because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, this is key, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? I'm going to read that one more time. Jesus was not received properly. We'll get into a little history about the Samaritans. But when he was not received properly, the disciples, the sons of thunder, full of zeal, said to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? You want to read that story? It's in 2 Kings. It's a great story. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what the manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Great power, great zeal, being used by God. Believers in Jesus. Let's just do a little bit of history so you get a little bit of context here. The Samaritans, really simple for those, uh, I'm going to assume nobody knows who the Samaritans are. They're bitter enemies of the Jewish people at the time on the earth. So they're enemies. So right now I want you to think about who some of your enemies are and how you respond to some people's names. I'm going to throw you out a few. Because this is what I'm sensing in my spirit. It's so strong. How many of you know there's a lady named Ellen? If you know Ellen, you raise your hand. If I say the word Ellen, you know who she is. Who am I talking about? Okay. If you, if you, you so you, I, I'm seeing, I want to see something here. If you know who I'm talking about, you raise your hand high because I want to see it. Okay. If you don't know who she is, she's actually quite charming. She makes me laugh. She's got a funny little dance that she does. She is, um, She's a creation of God that actually was made in God's image. And she has a talk show, and she started out as a comedian. I don't know her personally, obviously, like anybody else. I don't know any of these people personally. But I've noticed that if you're with a bunch of born-again Christians, which is like my group, my, my people, my, my, my tribe, my, uh, my gang, you know, it's like, that's who I hang with, you know. That's, uh, that's my homies, right? Uh, I hang out with the born-agains, you know. If we mention the word Ellen, it's like, Ugh! they get all stiff, you know, and they want to have a liver transplant, and their heart's throbbing, because Ellen is a lesbian. Oh, my goodness. Ellen's a lesbian, and she's kind of up on the front now, and she's kind of one of the spearheads of that whole movement, and I don't know about you, but the, 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 the Bible-believing, loving Jesus people I know, it's becoming extreme where they hate the lesbians, the same spirit that hates the lesbians on planet Earth right now is the same spirit that prompted John and James to say, you want us to call fire down from heaven? We want us to call fire down, we can burn them all up? Same spirit. The Samaritans were enemies. When Jesus even sent them out, he said, don't go there. Don't go to their villages. 
The good news is, you know what? Jesus went to the villages. In the book of Acts, they went to the villages, and many Samaritans came to know Jesus Christ. But when he traveled, here's what the hang-up was. Jesus had his face set toward Jerusalem. He sent people to prepare for his journey, and they did not receive him well. It was a matter of hospitality. It was a matter of protocol. It was a matter that even when he came, they refused to receive a religious teacher and considered, and they considered that rejection of his claims was an offense to them. You understanding the picture? It was something ingrained in them from childhood. It's something that's all they knew. So these gentle apostles were filled with wrath and the, and the insult at their master. Their zeal for the Lord led them into a, it's a hard word, but it means the shedding of blood. They were hostile and they wanted blood because, because their attitude or the spirit about them was one of revenge and hatred. Thus, religious zeal has led many men to do sinful acts and have a persecuting spirit. You understand that? The religious zeal that sometimes we're picking up the cause for Jesus does more harm than it does good to people. Sinful acts have been done, persecuting acts have been done to people in the name of Jesus. And it's time that we pay attention to it. We talked about the Samaritans being their enemies. We talked about how they weren't properly received. So how do you respond when the people at your coffee cooler or the people that you rub shoulders with at work or some of your family members or how you deal with people in college or the university or teachers or wherever you are, wherever you go, how, how do you interact with people and how do you respond when they reject Jesus? When they reject the claims of Jesus or they reject our worldview or they reject our views and our values in general. How do we react? How do we respond? How many of you watched the Super Bowl? A lot of Super Bowl fans here? You know, this is kinda, I feel like this is like get real time for me and it's get real time for you. I've heard some most ugly comments over the last two weeks about Beyonce. And you would think these people knew Beyonce because they hang out with her. Beyonce was the super mega star person in pop culture who did the halftime show. Now, I wouldn't know one born-again Christian who thought Beyonce should have put more clothes on. That's, 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 that's like a gimme, okay? But the hatred or the comments or the... The, the zeal to persecute somebody you don't even know. Am I making myself clear here? That's the part that I see as ugly. Governor Cuomo, how's that stir you? President Barack Obama, how's that one hitting you? Politics, pop culture, music, different people's agendas, 
I wrote down here, it's, ama- it's amazing that Jesus rebuked them, and I'm going to read that one again because you've got to get, get a hold of this one. Because Jesus doesn't use rebukes lightly. It's not, it's not a light thing. He, just, he didn't do it a lot. It wasn't just like something he just did. 50, 55, Luke 9, 55. But he turned and rebuked them. It's fun when you read different commentaries and study it a little bit. A lot of scholars think that they actually added the end part at the end. You know, they, they kind of got caught, and like, like Elijah did. You know, it'd be like me saying, Steve, should we call down fire? And I see this disgusting look on his face and this rebuke coming at me, turned to me, and obviously he couldn't believe what I had just said. He said, well, you know, like Elijah did. Give it some type of reference point. You know, I, I'm not the first one who ever thought of this. I mean, it's in the Old Testament, you know? You know, it, it's really fun when you hear some of that dialogue because it's like, you know, you know, we just did great things. We got a lot of zeal. These people rejected you. You know how them Samaritans are. You know, they're like the gays and lesbians, them Samaritans. We hate them, you know? We hate them rock stars who want to rap and talk bad about women. We don't want little chinny girls walking around with no clothes on on TV. You didn't have to watch it, number one. Shut TV off. Big ship power. But shut TV off. Don't sit there and whine about it and complain about it. Shut it off if you don't like it. But the point was, they responded with Jesus turned and he rebuked them. And here's a neat commentary on that. When Jesus turned and rebuked them, and he looked at them, it was a stern look, it was a stern face on his countenance. He sharply did not agree with them because their zeal and their passion had turned from anger and a desire for revenge. Some of the things that I've been hearing lately that Christians say about people, it's been not only breaking my heart, but I look at them and I go, are you really saying that? How about, you know, uh, Omar, who, you know, Talhead, Omar, the Arabs, you know, the Arabs, you know, the people who believe in Islam. You know, how aggravating are they? Enemies, all of them, enemies. They believe in Islam, they're enemies. Let's just fall down, let's call down fire from heaven. Let's burn them all up. That solved the problem, wouldn't it? Is that a good solution to the problem? There's a hatred. There's a bigotry. There's a perversion of zeal, and a, a distorted view of zeal that I believe Jesus wants his people to get a hold of. Here's another way of saying what Jesus said to John and James. The spirit that you have is not my spirit. So our mouth gets us into trouble. So why don't you be careful on what comes out of your mouth when you're talking about other people who yet do not know this marvelous, glorious gospel. Because... um, I got saved in, 19, in 1980, and I grew up listening to Aerosmith. And Steven Tyler has always been one of my favorite musicians. From the time I got saved, sounds silly, I've been praying for that guy. He's now like 63 years old. He was just on American Idol for two years if you're not involved in pop culture or American Idol. And I prayed for him all the time that he would come to know 
the same love that I received through Jesus Christ. I didn't hate him because he's a rock star. I didn't hate him because he went through four marriages. I didn't hate him because who knows what he's believing. He has yet to know and been revealed to him the thing that I received. By grace, free, because I was dead in my trespass and sin. And God loved me. And he loves us and he loves you. That spirit that John and James had was not the spirit of Jesus. And he rebuked him. He says, you don't even know where that spirit's coming from. He said to them that he was not a destroyer, but a savior. Let us never do anything for Jesus which is contrary to Jesus. Let us never do anything for Jesus which is contrary to Jesus. And zeal for Christ and passion is no excuse for bigotry. Bigotry. If they would think what we think and believe what we think. The political agenda is hot right now. If you like, if you like Facebooking and twitting and texting and doing all them things, everything you say goes on that thing. I would examine, ask the Holy Spirit what you're releasing about people. These are people that have yet to come to know Jesus Christ. So an overzealous Twitter is no excuse for your bigotry. The Lord had me sit down and look at the Ku Klux Klan. I'm sure glad that the Ku Klux Klan is not around in the same power, in the same radical extremism. Um, I didn't write down the figures, but whatever it started, there were four million members strong. 2012, there's like 4,000 of them left. How many of you would agree that the Ku Klux Klan is not a great organization to be a part of? Or some of these movements about women's rights. We take one thing and we think it's all whacked out. Well, thank God that somebody thought that women could vote and own property. Praise God somebody fought for the, 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 you know, everybody talking about the forefathers were this and the forefathers were that. Well, the forefathers had no rights for women and slaves. And it was tolerated. It was the norm. So somebody said, I don't think this is right. So I feel like in my spirit today, I'm releasing this to our body. I'm releasing it to the, to the atmosphere that Christians should control what they say about other people who yet do not know Jesus. Because in your zeal, don't confuse your zeal and, and his cause for an excuse of exercising bigotry. What do we learn? What do we learn? A professed zeal for God can sometimes lead to bad things toward fellow man. We can learn that through history. That when the highest opposition which Jesus met was not constant with his loving those who opposed him. I didn't say that right, sorry. When people opposed Jesus, he never met them with vengeance or anger. He declared it in Luke 9, in verse 50 there. He said, that was not my spirit. I have not come to destroy. I came to seek and save. That word save is sozo. He came to bring 
healing and deliverance and forgiveness. Don't pride yourself on being a fanatic if it leads to hatred. I believe with all my heart that the passion and the fire that we have to have and the perseverance to do what is right and to, and to get involved in things where whether you're a gun control person or you're a whatever freedom, you don't like our free, personal freedoms being taken away or get involved with the system and let the kingdom of God through you reign whether it's town, do your part but watch what comes out of your mouth toward people. The last example as we close, I'm going to read a little bit of scripture. As I'm inspired by Paul the Apostle. In Romans 9, it's one of my favorite scriptures that Paul talks about. Because Paul the Apostle said, I have great sorrow and continued grief in my heart. So this is, I believe, the response that the Holy Spirit wants to share for us about how do we respond when we see things eroding, I'm very aware that things could be eroding. If you feel they're eroding, or if you feel like there's agendas that are being promoted, or you feel like there are issues that you need to, to get behind. I'm not saying si apathy is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking a fanatical zeal where you don't represent the king properly. So Paul the apostle said this, I believe that if God's people carry this burden and they pray and we begin to see miracles and we begin to see people transformed and see people come to Christ, I have great sorrow and continued grief in my heart. Paul describes this anguish over a disbelief of how many of his fellow Jews, his kinsmen, his people, his neighbors, he grew up with these people, his countrymen, he, he, was, he was in disbelief that they wouldn't receive Christ. To the point of this, tweet this if you want to tweet something. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. The word accursed, banned from Christ. Excommunicated from Christ. I'd lay down my life and my salvation so that my brethren would come to know the love of Jesus Christ. That's what I want my prayer to be for those who yet do not know him. Those who yet do not know him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 again. 1 Corinthians 13. I love when I share this with a little bit, and I'll just tell you something. Timmy had a, did a great job last week. <clears throat> One of the things he said was, there is no but. There's no but in God's love. We love putting butts in stuff. Sounded weird. <laughs> <clears throat> we love putting butts in stuff. But, God's love is amazing, but. God's this, but. We need to love others, but. We need to love others, but. Though I speak, actually I'm gonna do the NIV on this one because I like the NIV sometimes. Sometimes I don't like it at all, just to be honest with you. 
No, believe it or not, in Luke 9, chapter 9 of the 50s there, it does not say that the spirit, it does not say in the NIV that that spirit they had was a horrible spirit, and it doesn't say that it came to seek and seek the lost. I don't know how they do that, but anyway, let's move on. That's why it's fun to do parallel versions. But I like this. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I think love is a big deal to Father God and the full Godhead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think we have been saved and redeemed to be God-filled so that his love, we are the vessels of his love. So when somebody tries to put a but, I'll say, no, there is no but in you loving your enemies because now we're going to read Matthew 5, starting with Matthew 5. So let's go to Matthew 5. You have to realize that Jesus changed everything. He was the radical revolutionist, right? The revolutionist. He, uh, he changed everything. Ralph Van Aken used to believe this. This is how he used to think about things. And then you felt Jesus came and invaded your life, and he changes the way you think. Starting with 43. There's a lot of neat history here, but we'll just read the scripture and you'll get the, best, the gist of it. You have heard it said, and actually, I'm sorry, just forgive me, it's one click of a thing. I like the, I, I like the uh, New King James on this. 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, got that? You have heard it said. I wonder if there's any churches that still preach that. You have heard it said, love your neighbor. Hate all those who oppose you. Hate all those who don't want to do what you want to do or have them live like you want them to live. Jesus is the one I'm listening to here. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is a supernatural activity we're talking about here. You have to be filled with the love of God in order to accomplish this. But here's what he says. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do, you not, do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The bar has been set. 
We're to be perfect. That word means complete. It makes you watch your tongue. It makes you watch what you say. Steve, can you come up and play for me a little bit? I'm going to close... by reading 1 Corinthians 13, and then we're going to pray. Father, we identify that we live in the world, and you've sent us into the world. You didn't take us out of the world. You sent us into the world to be light and salt. And you've given us a message. You actually said we have the ministry of reconciliation. That we can help restore those who yet do not know you to you. That's our mission. Jesus, you didn't call us to hate, but you called us to love beyond what we could do. Beyond our upbringing. Beyond our church political structures. You've called us to love our enemies. The most amazing thing as I was praying, lying in bed this morning, I saw our Savior, the Son of God, the innocent, spotless, beautiful Lamb of God, who was so mistreated and so misunderstood that they falsely accused him and they nailed him to the tree, the cross, that wonderful cross. And he didn't do anything wrong. And with his last breath, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In the book of Jonah, Jonah the prophet was sent out to bring revival to a great city. And at the end of it, he's mad. If you don't know the story, read it in the book of Jonah. But God says to Jonah at the end, he says, are you mad at me because I had compassion on a city? And here's what he said. There were people in that city that didn't know their right hand from their left hand. They didn't know what their right hand from their left hand. He said they were ignorant of even good and evil. And he had mercy on them. So take the person who bugs you the most in whatever thing you're fighting for and see the heart of God that they don't even know. Some of them don't know their right hand from their left hand. They're living in spiritual darkness. Don't be filled with revenge or hatred or anger. Be filled. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to pray for these systems. Begin to pray for God to raise up people on every mountaintop of culture to have influence in a godly way. Believe me, believe me, we don't want the crusades again. That wasn't the answer. So, Father, we pray now. And, Father, I knew this was going to be a little bit of a sting or a hurt. But, God, I pray that we as a people here at New Hope would be filled with love. And we would yield to you, Holy Spirit. 
And I pray for any passion of fire that it would be properly channeled. Father, I pray for an active people, a people involved in community, a people involved with politics, a people involved with music and art. I pray that we would be the lights in the head and we would lead and love people. So Father, I pray by the power of your spirit, you would work in us. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would change some of the things we're doing or correct some of the errors or reveal to us where zeal has gone wrong. Believers gone wrong. God, we don't want to believe believers who've gone gone south or, or been deceived by our zeal. The scripture says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. And he who is in you who is greater than he who is in the world. We have overcome So, Father, I pray for the people here today. I pray for your goodness. I pray for a revelation of your grace. And, Father, we just love you. And, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want you to enjoy the afternoon. We have prayer teams that come up. If you're here and you want to receive prayer, something you've been working through something, the cafe is open. Please, please just enjoy this day in God's presence.